Welcome to the More to Story podcast. I'm glad you've come along. Today is going to be a fun episode, a little bit different than some of the other things that we do, but nevertheless, it's still connected to this big idea that we want to get more to the story. We want to get deeper behind some things that are surface level in our society. And so we do that uh, through a variety of means. One of the things that is happening now is I'm offering a free resource. For those of you who are actively involved in your churches and you're wanting to get deeper in the scripture, and particularly if you're a teacher or a preacher, I have a free resource for people. It's called Five Steps to Deeper Teaching and Preaching. And I'll give that out to folks. It has a 45-minute video, an eight-page document that's available. All you have to do is sign up for my email list at andymillerthe3rd.com. And you can find links for that in the show notes. I'm also really thankful that Wesley Biblical Seminary is the sponsor of this podcast. We are training trusted leaders for faithful churches. We have a variety of degree programs from bachelor's to doctorates. We are even doing things for people who aren't looking for a degree, who are just looking to go deeper in their faith. One program, for instance, comes to mind is the Wesley Institute, a nine-month program where we go through every book on the Bible with seminary teachers teaching on that, just a very minimal cost to make that happen. But we found it to be a wonderful thing to help people in churches to be able, not just churches, but just Christians go deeper in their faith. So wbs.edu, you can find out more about us. And then we're also thankful for WPO Development, a company that helps people all around the country more than 250 times. They've led nonprofits, churches, colleges, universities, hospitals towards successful capital campaigns. They do that through mission planning studies and feasibility studies. So uh, you can Google WPO Development or find a link to them in our show notes. All right. I'm so glad today. This is going to be a fun episode. I have coming on and come on the podcast. I'll welcome him in now. Kyle Key from, he was the founder of Keymaster Games. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Now, some people might, might already know the little secret, and I'm just going to let it out of the bag. We're a family. Kyle right. and I are family. I so, wondered if you're going to break that to everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like insider trading here at the very beginning. So, uh, now it's it's distant. It's not not blood and distance. Uh, so my wife comes from the the larger key family. So my mother in law is a key. So Kyle's dad is Danny Key, and so then we have uh, that's how we get to Kyle Key. So my my wife is a part of that group. So uh, Kyle and Abby share our grandfather. So that's our connection. So the, no doubt this arose. This this podcast arose over family kind of get-togethers and I'm like this is too good this is too good so I, I love I love the key name I'm thankful to be a part of the key clan and so now I, key master games you'll have I think people could maybe construct a tree out of that maybe they'll figure out the connection it is distant but still close still pretty close <laughs> that's right and, and where where are you Kyle where do you live uh right now I'm outside of Athens Georgia you know, home of UGA, uh, and that's outside of Atlanta, Georgia, too. So, and this is my home office, work from home situation, like many do nowadays. So that's right. So before we get to the interesting thing, like as we you got to the place of becoming like the founder of this game company, which is really fascinating. I want to hear all about like kind of the things that you've done as a, as a leader, the things you've had to do as you've like explored what it means to be a person in business. But before that, what was it that led you to this place in the first place? Like, how did you get there? How did you get to um, be in a position to want to even invent a game? Yeah, that's uh, it's a great question. And it's one of my favorite things to do when people 
you know, there's people day to day, your interactions. And one of the most common questions people say, they say, okay, well, what do you do? You know, you might be <laughs> meeting somebody new or something like that. And they're like, well, what do you do? And it's one of my favorite things to look at them straight in the face. Cause I want to catch the reaction. And I just say, I make board games and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and nine times out of 10, they just, there's this look of like, that's a thing. Like you can, <laughs> you can do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, I get excitement out of that, but it, cause I realize that it is a very like off the wall kind of thing. Um, people don't think about it, but stores are filled with games and right. games are on shelves everywhere. And this goes not just for games. It goes for all products. Like somebody designed it, somebody created it, somebody sat down and did the work to make it become an actual physical product. And then, <laughs> and now it's for sale. Right. And, and board games right. are no different. So uh, that's a fun thing to answer people. And second question they ask is like, well, how'd you get into that? So yeah. right, right in line. Um, I have a art background, uh, went to Asbury college and, uh, studied painting, fine art painting, actually. Yeah. So if, if you want to talk about degrees, my degrees in painting, uh, how that ends up in board games is this long, long <laughs> story, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, is it kind of funny? It's more of a story. It's like, kind of like, you're officially probably in a corporate designation as CEO of Keymaster Games, right? But like you wouldn't anticipate, and people would probably say to you and me both, who spent a lot of time in the same building, the arts building at Asbury University. So what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? That is the question. Yeah, that's, um, and yes, officially founder, you know, CEO of, of Keymaster Games. And I, I, I run a international business. We sell wow. worldwide. We have international partners. We have games in different languages um, and international partners that translate our games and then sell to their markets and things like that. So, and we, we sell all across the U S too and online and it's, it's crazy. And if I looked at myself at that, you know, 20 year old self in the art department painting pictures, you know, and it's like, yeah, you will eventually like, you're just going to use art to do board games. Like, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about actually. <laughs> just seems right. off the wall. Like, why would that be a case? Like, what am I going to design? Uno cards, you make one design, but you don't do that. No, I mean, that's part, no. I don't mean to get into distinctives of what you offer, but your games in, in part, and I, I, my family's played one recently, like it is um, beautiful. It's a, I mean, it's like, it is, and it, 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 one of your more popular games related to national parks and part of it is that distinct artwork there so maybe let's just talk about art and games and then before we get into kind of the story of your business yeah so uh thank you for saying that because yeah uh we get that that's one of the first things people say about our game is is it's so beautiful that's become a core tenant of our game building and making processes treating games as art objects or really appreciating them as a an, an art experience on the table not only a you're you're not only building a physical experience among people at the game right but you're putting stuff in front of them and um my I, my art background and hat plays a role in that the appreciation of that um parks in particular that's a great partnership because there's over 42 different artists that work on the art in that game so artists from all over, world-renowned artists working together. So, and we kind of get to be the collaborator of bringing all those people together uh, to, to make one object that's just really beautiful, right? Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I do, I have the, the art background in, in getting into games, you know, like 
I, I have a painting degree. I, that comes with a lot of illustration knowledge and, you know, right out of school, uh, that's what I thought. I, I remember we, we walked out of school and like, how am I going to make money doing this? Right. Uh, yeah. So I took some graphic design classes as well. And I realized that, you know, graphic design is the kind of melding of the digital art with yeah. um, layout and physical objects that we have. So um, through various jobs up to Keymaster Games, uh, it kind of was one step next led to finally like Keymaster Games was the final, like what I view as like, oh, this is, this is how I do it. And this is what brings fulfillment, right? Interesting. So you you got to a place where you're, you're trying to find a way to utilize the gifts that God had given you, what you had already developed and you're finding there. T- tell me a few of those jobs along the way. Yeah. Like um, graphic art. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. There was a period where I was um, actually the fun, I'll tell you the funny story first, and then I'll tell you yeah. the real serious job after that. <laughs> the first job I ever got hired, uh, officially hired to do um, although I never had, I never stepped foot in the office and never had my first day. Okay. <laughs> so it was a really weird, I tell you, it's kind of funny now that I think of it, but right out of college, I got hired by a fireplace company to sculpt fireplace logs for gas fireplaces. <laughs> wow. Right? Another, yet another thing that's like, that exists, right? Yeah, but yeah, like, sure. people who want a distinct, I want a birch fire like a birch logs that have been burning for four hours and I want it to be this big. And, you know, that's a thing. And that's what the company did. Uh, I got high, I got the job as a senior sculptor, a sculptor (laughs) stepping down and uh, they're like, yeah, we'll call you when we need you to come in. And then they never called. And I (laughs) finally tracked them. I tracked, I had HR meetings and everything, tracked them down and they were like, "Uh, we have a hiring freeze. So actually we just, we don't need the position anymore. Oh no. What a crazy time. So that was the, that's the funny story, right? Um, I thought I was going to be a sculptor of logs, (laughs) which would be another crazy story. You Um, missed your chance, Kyle. I missed, missed I know. Maybe I should just do that every once in a while. (laughs) Um, And that, that led to uh, two other jobs, right? Uh, In between, uh, I then became senior uh, brand manager and graphic design lead for Southland Christian Church. And okay. It's in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's yeah. a, a church uh, at the time of about 12,000 members. Yeah. And they had one campus. And now they have multiple campuses. And still to this day, I, the, the three years I worked there, my job was kind of to prepare them as a brand standpoint and design standpoint to go to a multi-location system. Okay. So now, now they're living in a multi-location system. And I, kind of, I feel like I was there to set them up and help mm-hmm. them work through that process. Uh, so my time there was super enjoyable. I learned a lot about design and printing physical things at large scale uh, and large quantity. So I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just another, you know, like an asset that the Lord kind of like led me in there. Like, yeah, I need to teach you this part yeah. of, of design and stuff like that. And um, through that, I met some old college, reconnected with old college friends uh, from Asbury, and we ended up forming a company. So this is the more serious, okay, formal job. Uh, we formed a little company uh, that was a third-party design company, and we worked with um, ad agencies and experienced designers. Uh, so, and they basically created fan experiences for companies like NBC and Comic uh, Comedy Central and 
uh, Cartoon Network and some, some mainly television and broadcast companies that were doing fan experiences for their fall lineups or their um, sports package theme, like the Rangers or, you know, CBS sports or something like that. And so we would do uh, lots of graphic packages with set brands um, that would be like this coming fall, these shows, and we get all these assets and we would build all these fan experience things. And what's a fan experience? Like, so like a, a, a high, uh, high net worth person buys, buys something and then gets to come in and meet players or what, 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 what I don't yeah, know. Uh, uh, several examples. One, um, uh, Cartoon Network took over Atlantis down in uh, okay. the Caribbean. So we themed it out with all of the Adventure Time characters in the hotel. So they, oh, okay. and thing. It, they basically wanted to turn it into a castle. So how do you turn a hotel into a castle? You put graphics everywhere and you wrap things. Um, we did a lot of work for uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is a big okay. comic convention yeah. in San Diego. Um, we worked for a for bunch of Star Wars stuff happens, right? Oh yeah. Marvel, yeah. Star Wars, DC, all, all comic things um, and television, lots of television promotion there. The television uh, has kind of taken over that space. Interesting. And they uh, rent out, they rent out restaurants and turn them into um, whatever they want to theme it as. So we did, we did a lot of work for Grimm. I can remember the show Grimm back in the day. We did a lot of Walking Dead things. Uh, okay. They turned they turned one of the hotels into Terminus. So if you're, if any of the viewers are familiar with the show, like they just brought the show to life for the fans to experience that. And we were in charge of all the design process of that. So wow. it's in, in examples like that, these, these companies are spending money and using us to create an experience for their fans. Right. And I learned a lot in that process. And that, about how to how to create an experience for someone, I feel like that was maybe the key learning point there. Like, wait, you can you're crafting these experience by putting this stuff in front of people, and I learned a lot about organization and you know a lot of printing things as well, a lot of design growth stuff like that. But I also there was there was a lot of growth in that on a personal side of like this is very stressful, this is very high stakes, this yes. is very. Um, time sensitive is a lot of things. It's, it's very corporate in a sense of like, these things are happening on a set schedule and these things, deadlines have to be met and your feelings and your cares for your family and things like that are not important wow. when this stuff is on the line, right? Wow. So at, in, a, in a way, it, it was a very stressful time. It's very like great and awesome to work on all this cool stuff. You, you know, you're making really cool stuff, but it just doesn't seem right. And there really was, there was a breaking point there. And I, I, you probably know what this is, but we can share what this is. But the breaking point was when I found out I had to have a third open heart surgery. And that was right. in the midst of that. So dropping a bomb like that. Yeah, I have, I have a bad heart, still do. Yeah. Was born with it. And so I found out I had to have a, a, a repair surgery, a third open heart okay. surgery wow. during that time in my life. So. I remember when I first met you, the very first time I met you, I don't know how old you were, 13, 14. I was just kind of breaking into the family and you were just having one and you had wanted to play football, right? You couldn't play football. So you ended up being a kicker and right. golfing. Like you had to do other, other things. So like the, you, your, 
like your heart issues, like kind of a bad heart. And so there's all kinds of theological things that can go along with that. Like, uh, yeah. so you started with this has been a, a, something that's been a part of your life's experience, right? Like working through the challenges. Uh, yeah. With that. I, yeah. That's been, yeah. You know, I mean, I had one, my second surgery was in high school and that's when I, I did spring training. And then I was like, I want to play and they're like, let's check your heart. And they were like, turns out you need surgery. <laughs> I was like, well, wow. I'm glad we checked. Um, I, I equate it as like car parts. So I very casually talk about it because it is like car parts. I got a bad car to start. So I need the new parts and just like car parts, the parts they put in are not my own. So like they're going to wear down. Okay. So it's just a constant thing and I need to repair it every once in a while. So the yeah. last one I had was now six years ago. And um, I, I keep in mind because it's on the same timeline as starting Keymaster Games. So like when wow. we talk about Keymaster Games anniversaries, you know, we're six years old, I'm like, oh, that was been six years since I had that heart surgery. Interesting. You know, it's a constant yeah. reminder. So um, let me jump that. in here real quick. Like there's this interesting thing. Like I, I, I want to make sure we should come back to at some point and we can push off the side till later. But you said what you're doing with this company that was doing the corporate work and going and doing the fan experiences, you're creating experiences. And then the same thing is true with um, working for Southland. Like you're like shaping this experience. And it made me think like, what is a game anyways? Yeah. Like what, what, what is your mission? You know, the idea of um, like uh, not being too connected to what the form is of our, of our mission or like the model of our mission instead of like, what, what are we trying to do? Like um, well, a great example for me came when I was, uh, was serving in Tampa, uh, there was a, car dealer who was uh, friends of the Salvation Army and was making a large gift to us. And I went into his office, he had 19 dealerships around Florida. And when he took me to his office, he had a picture of a, um, a bicycle company on the wall. Come to find out that this guy's great grandfather or grandfather, I forget which it was, um, originally had a bike company. And that was how they made their, their families living but then saying came around, called the car. And so yeah. he, uh, they readapted <laughs> and they realized their mission was to help people get places. Yeah. And they refocused and they abandoned the model of the bike, even though it was probably, probably some uh, reluctance to do that. Now, creating an experience is a broader thing. You can do that at Disney World, right? But right. I mean, what is the mission of a game in, in yeah. general? Is it creating an experience? Yeah, in a sense, you are creating an experience. We we feel like you are, and that's part of Keymaster's brand in general. We've we've now stepped into this. We've we've actually dug deep in our own like ethos and thought like, what is that? You know, like why are we making games? And really, it's to get people around the table. We say awesome. Like, we don't. Yes. We actually don't care if you play our games or not. But our whole brand, like our our games, are nice. We try to put that and we curate an experience for you. We hope that. It is, we try to make them friendly, non, you know, non-combative too much. It's like, let's put a fun experience that we've curated in front of you. But like our, our overall mission is like, let's get people around the table because, awesome. and that was, that was born out of the founding story of Keymaster 2 of like why I started Keymaster is like, I just wanted to get around the table with friends and family. Right. Awesome. And, and it was in that transition time of when I found out I needed surgery into, Hey, there's some thing, there's some logistics about that. Like when you have surgery, I was freelance working. Right. So I have clients lined up. I have these deadline heavy clients and I, I had to look at them and be like, I'm out for eight months. Can't do anything for you. 
And so it's a structured rest time there. And that with rest time comes reflection, right? So that reflection of like, why am I hustling on this stuff for these people? What, and, and, a and a sense of mortality that I, f- yeah. I feel like is really healthy for everyone. You know, I, as a young guy, I'm still young, I like yes, to say, are. but I have a very, like, I have a very close um, sense of my own mortality, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's healthy for people to just look at that and, and take, take stock of your life. And what, what are you doing? What are you, what is important to you? Right. And what is worth it to you? So in that, in that search, I was like, I, for right now, I had some friends who had given me some games and stuff like that. I was like, I just want to, I just want to spend time with people. I want to spend, yeah. I want to make lasting memories around a table. Games are a vehicle for that. And it was at that point where I realized like, I have been blessed with all these talents and been put in these situations up to this point where I've learned all these things culminating in like creating an experience. And I thought, I think I can make some board games and I can make experiences for people. And I think I could do that. And it, then it, the only thing I was missing is like the business side, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is at, at the time I'm like, I'm sure I could figure that out. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably nothing. Right. And, and even, even making the games is well, at first is like, Oh yeah, that's probably easy. You just, what you draw a card? You're like, well, you <laughs> it, do. I thought that's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, you just go in, you go in blind and you just, I went for it. And uh, I've been blessed that I've just been gifted with these things and these experiences that have kind of put it all together. And now it's really forming this company. I feel it was a great blessing to work with people I'm working with too, who have just come together to make a company that understands that getting people around the table is really important, building yeah. lasting memories, building deep connections, and just spending valuable time with those, those that you love. Yes. Well, in, in, in you and I have a, a privileged experience, um, with our families mm. and, you know, I got, like I said, like I, I knew you when you was like a younger teenager and like, I've seen you around the table a lot and like, I, not, well, I mean, a couple of times a year or at least once a year. And there's something very rich about that. Is, is that even, you know, we play games as a family. Um, is that a part of when you talk about this coming around the table, like your own personal experience? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, and mine goes deeper, you know, like I had grandparents who I spent summers at the grandparents on the farm. We played pinochle, you know, wow. like they were far, a farming family. Right. And there was very little TV. It's more like let's play bingo and pinochle. Right? right. So in my mind, it's like time around the table, you know, and the, those games, generic games still, you know, still powerful because it's like those are memories attached to that and i think everyone still has that old game that their grandparents played or their parents played stuff like that and reasons why people sit around the table and uh, we talk about like family gatherings there's that's such a great time for a game to step in and fill a space with people who don't spend a lot of time together and it also opens up conversations and humor and all sorts of things for connection with those people around you yeah it's interesting. One of the things I'll say, uh, maybe you've heard this before, and I'm really glad to bring it to you because there, you might even have classified it sociologically, rather than not eat whatever terms you might use. But for me, there's always a little bit of a, when it comes time to play a game, I, I, I take a deep breath, like, uh, well, do I want to work or do I want to just um, like, and, and it, it took, a, we bought your game and it took us a little while, one of your games, sorry. Um, we bought Trails. And yeah. it took us a little while to say, you know what, we're going to learn it. And we're and we, um, we actually had some very on, helpful online videos too, which <laughs> was okay. But, uh, 
<laughs> you have to figure out like, okay, do I want to do? And I always have a little reluctance to to play a game. I think I, I don't know. I don't know what else I want to do. But I generally now my wife wouldn't say this about playing Risk with us as a family. She doesn't enjoy that as much. But <laughs> but 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 generally, I I I always am happy that I played a game, yeah. a board game. In the end, and and well, you you've voiced it a little bit. The, some of the struggle as a business, right? And what we want to help solve is like. Um, if you really think about it, no one really sits down and learns games. It's a, it's a very few people that sit down and read a rule book yeah. and know how to play. Most games are taught to you. So you as a family buying trails, sitting down, learning it as a family is an experience as well. Something we're trying to get better at because in general, most people are like, I have this game. I want you to play it. And they're going to teach you how to play it. Right. We're trying to figure out how to make that more accessible to more people to sit down as a family and also, and thanks you're saying we have great resources because we're trying to actively think through, well, how does the family sit down and open the box and how do they get to get playing as soon as possible and feel like we're having fun as soon as possible. So it's yeah, right. It's, it's all part of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That is definitely. Okay. So let's get to the, uh, actually the, the game, the start of the business as a whole. So you kind of had this experience where you're successful. You got these skills that you've developed. You developed the, the heart. You had the heart surgery again, eight months out, yeah. realized you want to get around the table. But I remember, I remember when I came in touch, like even, um, some, a friend of mine told me about your game and they didn't <laughs> know we were family. Yeah. So something awesome. happened in there. Yeah. But why you... <laughs> so for that, for that to actually happen, I think I have now <laughs> family and friends who send me pictures of, uh, like parks or trails on the shelf somewhere. You know, yeah. and I think you sent me a picture too. That I did, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started um, designing my own games, you know, homebrewing. I just started changing the rules of games I owned, right? Interesting. And started testing it. And then I, I love uh, my wife and her family who was local here, you know, and I'd be like, I've made this game where you want to sit down and, you know, play it, you know, and they, their, their minds are like, wait, you're like making games now? I don't understand, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and it's just, I've had like paper and scribbled on dice, you know, a bunch of stuff, you know. Um, but I started making little prototypes, little versions of my own stuff. And I had a friend in town who also kind of caught the bug of what I was doing. And he, uh, he as a business himself, he designs fonts, which is oh, like a whole other world we could talk about, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but he was, same thing happened. He goes, wait, you make board games? wait, people make board games. And he's like, I make fonts. I have the same conversations with people about people make this stuff. And so we kind of yeah. got together and uh, that launched our first game together. He designed kind of the mechanics of how to play and I illustrated the whole thing. And we put together a Kickstarter campaign for right. that game. So if, if what was that listeners one aren't familiar. What uh, was that game called? Control is the name okay. of that game. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Yeah. And Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform. So um, you don't have a product yet, but you pitch it to the crowd and they hand you money if they like it. And Matt, Maddox and I, we both kind of were like, hey, we want to make this thing. We think it's cool. I'll, you know, I'll pay for it. Let's just put it on Kickstarter. Like we'll pool our money and make it. If people like it, maybe they'll like it, but we'll put it on Kickstarter. And so we asked for, I, I believe it was seven thousand dollars we thought we needed okay. to produce minimum copies and if i put them in envelopes and mail them out you know like we need that about that much money and it took off and wow. uh we ended up with over seventy thousand dollars wow and 
and that that was just like instant you know market rec market recognition that people wanted this kind of product a, a art curated and and very thoughtful game and, a, and this was a small package it was a little 20 20 game back then so um and you can still buy it today it's one of keymaster's old we keep that in stock because it's like a little deck of cards it's a really great little game and now it's like ten dollars i think you can get it for like ten dollars so um that was like the launching point right we instantly okay. were like well we're not going to be fulfilling this in our garage i'm going to need to look at manufacturers because we need to print like thirty thousand of these things wow so from so a is that how many game, seventy thousand dollars was was worth was was thirty thousand games i think I, yeah well i think thirty thousand is probably an overestimate i think we probably printed about eighteen thousand copies that first run which wow in board game terms that is a success that is a great success of a game when you're coming, when you're talking about print numbers. So, um, you know, like in-house kind of packaging and stuff was kind of out the window. Like I can't, I can't yeah. do that. So uh, all my business models, which I had like kind of made of like, okay, here's what it looks like if we get it, you know, 500 copies. Here's what it looks like if we somehow sell a thousand copies. And it's like, yeah, all those gone. Uh, yeah, I got to do way more research, figure out how the other companies do this. And, um, it's been really great the the board game industry as a whole is really sharing and really open, hmm. which is completely contrary to many of the you know, industries I've, I've seen and worked in before. You know, like I can call any of these companies, which I know them by name now, especially, and like, be like, who are you getting to print this? Or how much did you pay wow. for that? You wow. know, and they'll just tell you. And they'll wow. be like, well, here's his number. Call him up. I'm sure he'll help. No you. way. Yeah. That's crazy. Like I've, I've been around people in business and like, when you find out, like if somebody can do something um, and then you call, it's like, no, I don't, I don't give that information out because like, that's your source. Like right. uh, you make money on the margins you make from in between the two things. So if you give away that source, you lose. So, wow. Board games live in this weird. I mean, there's, there's some of that for sure, because it is, you know, some proprietary stuff, but like, for the most part, everyone's just trying to make fun games for people to enjoy. And when, you know, stuff happens, it, it kind of affects the whole industry. It's not a very big industry. So they're just like, yeah, let's help each other out. So wow. it's fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> Interesting. So you got, you were able to get to a place where you were able to bring that demand to the market for, right. for those people. Yeah. Um, and that was, the, that was the launch point. And after that, it was like, we should keep making games. So okay. <laughs> it was kind of pour it all back in the company. What's our next game? You know, did you? Going. Okay. Yeah. So, so there, is that when you started it, like incorporated? Yeah. Well, I, me being, I tell people I'm kind of an organized artist. I think there's different, there's different versions of artists, right? Okay. Like very messy, just always creative. All that. I am not that. I am a, kind of a list maker and sort of a very organized in that sense. I like to get everything in place before I, you know, do the, all the creative work almost, um, helps with fan experiences, helps with the logistics of all yeah, that stuff. Sure. Right? Uh, so I had incorporated Keymaster games when I decided we would publish our own game. So okay. it became an LLC. And then I had the Google structure in place. I had the emails all set. And, and what people don't realize is, I, I kind of had a vision of this and a hint of it because of the people I talked to, but you launch a product like control, you're, you now have a customer service department. You now have a shipping and handling department 
that's still wow. just myself and Maddox at the time, right? Wow. So yeah. you have dented, damaged box. How do you treat that? How do you how do you treat retailers who want your product in their store because yeah. they heard it's the next really great thing, right? So it's like all of a sudden, just all these departments. And I luckily I had a little, I had some of the Google setup, had all the things in place, had a website in place, all that to kind of funnel that to us at least at that point. So wow. So where did your game after you sold the uh, $70,000 worth? Um, that's probably to individuals. Uh, but where did, where did you get into stores and what type of stores did you get into at first? Yeah, the, uh, we continued to just maintain control at that time. Uh, so after we got the first batch of Kickstarter copies out, um, we realized that it probably could sell in some stores. And we had a few um, retailers, so like mom and pop, little game stores across the country who had hopped into the Kickstarter and got a couple copies. When, the, oh, okay. when their copies sold, they came back to us and said, I want 10 more or I want, you know, 15 more because they sell really well. Yeah. Um, and we, of course, did the local thing here where we got went to the, you know, local stores here and we're like, we have this game. Would you like to sell it in the game? And they are in your store. And they're like, this looks fantastic. Sure, this will sell. And it's local. So they, they sold it there. Um, and while we we're doing that, we just created the next game, which was Campy Creatures, a game about B-movie monsters and being a mad scientist, like a theme we really just thought we'd have fun with. Okay. Um, and we got an artist uh, to work with us who, we, who Max and I were both just really fans. So that art mentality of like, we want to work with this guy. He's really good. His style is really amazing. I think his stuff would look really good on this game we're making. So we partnered, we paid him to get some artwork on, on the books. And it was just... In, at the time, the art, the level of art on board games was not at that level, we felt like. So we mm. thought like, hey, I think we can bring another level of artwork to the industry if we do this. Uh, that kind of partnership really wasn't heard of. Or, I mean, there, people were partnering, but that level of artwork um, was new. So that was our second product. And we also kickstarted that because we had a fan base there, right? We had a crowd already yeah. you know, excited and we had delivered on a promise and a product. So we, we piled onto that again. And that game in particular caught the eye of uh, Barnes and Noble, which was our first, what we call like big box. Yeah, store, for right? sure. Wow. So we had gotten, by that time we had worked our way into, hey, servicing these mom and pop stores every once in a while is taking up a lot of time. So we had worked our way into a warehousing situation, a consolidator that handles our product moves it for us to those and takes orders for us. Okay. And, and then that also got our foot in the door with Barnes and Noble and a big, big box Interesting. store. So, and, and here's an industry thing like Barnes and Noble is one of the more riskier big box stores when it comes to taking a chance on new games. Oh, okay. So if you're getting into like board games and you feel like you want to catch the wave before other people, you can go look at the shelves of Barnes and Noble and they take a chance on games before any other store really takes a chance. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. I think it's interesting of what you've done uh, to drop back and compare a little bit to what I've been doing this past year is um, the developing an audience. Um, I, I had this podcast going for um, a year and a half, two years. It was called Captain's Corner. And when my wife and I were moving to WBS and Jackson, we realized, man, we're going to be... Um, uh, we're going to do this. And we announced it and people said, keep the podcast going, keep the podcast going. I had enough people say that, that I decided to get it going. Well, that's led to an audience 
you know, it's not gigantic audience, but it's enough of audience. And now it's like, how do I develop ways to serve people? Now, sometimes like we talk about concepts that are, I, that, you know, separate us from other people. Like we talk about clear Christian doctrines. And that means that like some people aren't really, um, would rather not hear about that. And so they're not in my audience. Right. But nevertheless, like it's an opportunity for me to serve people who have chosen to identify with. And that's kind of, I, I want you to connect you to do that, but this is the same kind of business principle. Like this isn't, you didn't say, I want to make money. Right. <laughs> I, I want to provide, like you, you have an audience, a, a group of people who you're helping come around the table. And now you figure out like, how can I serve that audience? Right. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And if you do that well, then money follows you mm. after that. Right. And, and you're right. I didn't go into this thinking I, I want to make money. I went into it thinking, boy, I want to create an experience for people to get around the table and share some memories together. Right. And I had to bring people into the business who help me make, keep an eye on money. Right. <laughs> Cause I still right. don't think about like, Hey, I want to make money. Right. I just want to make those experiences and create connections from people that, you know, love each other. So I it's, you hit the nail on the head on that. And it's very like, we, ha- we built a community. We still have that community. We still listen to that community. We still, um, we still want to serve that community in making products that are art forward, easy to approach and shareable with those around them. Right. Mm. And so that goes into our whole core of business of like, what, what is our next game? What are we making? You know, like, where are we not offering an availability for people to get people around the table? That all goes factors into that and the audience that we've built. So, I love, yeah. I love your mission. Um, it, the idea of shareable, that's interesting because a lot of times uh, there's certain games can be exclusive, mm-hmm. right? And, and intentionally, like they're creating a community, but they're, they almost make it hard to get into that community. Right. And that might be a money barrier, it might be a time commitment barrier. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things that factor into that. Yeah. And, and that exclusivity is, is there in board games as well. Right. And, and we try to stay away from that. So, uh, so what, how do you do that? How do you make them shareable? How do you make it? It is, it is, uh, it, it is in the approach of how heavy the game is and heavy weight of a game is, is the mechanics of how hard it is to understand, you know, on your first play. Um, I often think about, you know, when I'm designing a game or helping design one of our games, stuff like that, I think about like my parents, or I try to think about people who don't play a lot of games necessarily, like this is going to be really confusing for them. Right. So how do maybe there's a rule that just doesn't need to be there, you know, and you weigh that decision of, does it make the game better? Maybe, but does it also make it harder to understand? If it does, we probably should get rid of it, find a way to get rid of it, you know? So there's a lot of that, like, just creative development work on figuring out what is the right game to deliver to people. And that plays into the accessibility, the approachability and the shareability of this game. Cause if like, if you learn trails, we'll use your example, right? If you yeah. feel like you played it once and now you feel like you could sit down and teach it to somebody else, well, then we did a good job. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then you can share it with somebody else in your family or some of your friends. Right. Now trails, interesting enough, like you told me it was an easier one. So I went to get it and like you designed it to get in. I'll say it was a little tricky, but there was satisfaction about half an hour, 45 minutes in 
mm-hmm. that I got it, that I, okay, I figured it out. And, and I, I'm glad for that. Like, it's not just Uno, right? Where there's, okay, here's how you play this game. We got it pretty easily. That they're, they're almost, but you were describing to me that there is like, within the gaming world, there's various levels and you're kind of like a central area. Like Catan is one thing that's really popular, you know, and um, where, where to, to explain, I forget how you did classify those, but there are different levels of games. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we had, we talked about this a little bit. It's like, um, there are levels of difficulty, right? And um, when I, we saw an article last week, we were looking at articles and uh, there was like a poll article of like, the Nate, the U.S.'s most popular game by state, right? And okay, overwhelming. The, the answers were like chess, Monopoly, you know, Sorry, all these games. Oh, really? Sorry lived, is up there. Yeah, have lived on the shelves for years. You know, yeah, we, and and that is it's those exist as people's favorite games because everyone knows how to play them. Yeah. Now, sorry, sorry might be an example. Of like, I'm not really sure exactly how to play sorry, but I'm pretty sure I could read that one page rule book and figure it out yeah. real quick. Right. Yeah. It's not that complicated. So, and then, and then you have games um, like Catan who are, are not really in that realm of how complicated it's a little more complicated than checkers. Right. Yeah. So I think more and more people are starting to play more games. So the complexity of games is getting a little bit more complex because more and more people are coming along with the industry and the hobby, right? So they're, they're learning a little more, a few more concepts and trails sits in that realm of like, there's a few more things rather than just roll and move, right? You need to make yeah, some yeah. decisions and you need to think about what you're going to do a couple of turns from now. So there's some yeah. strategy in that. And the, then the industry, and we, we sit there and that's in the industry has been coined a term of welcoming games, right? So those are, welcoming new people okay that's it yeah yeah welcoming yeah. games yeah so welcoming new people into the hobby and when when they see the hobby then they realize that there are games that last for an hour and a half and they're like purely economics based and you're building train routes across you know 18 yeah. 37 you know and you you are the railroad tycoon things like that and you'll play for two hours and maybe no one will win. Maybe it'll be a tie, you know? <laughs> and to yeah. some people like that just doesn't sound fun at all, but to some people that sounds amazing. But what right. in between is a welcoming game to show them that there is all this possibility of right. Of so it's a, yeah, it's, so it's a, yeah, I think I said it's like a gateway, you know, for you like to get, get yes. from there to the other thing. So do you have games on the spectrum like that are not a welcoming yeah. game? So, I mean, currently we, we live in that welcoming space, right? Okay. Okay. We, we are developing a game that would fit more in the strategy side, the heavier strategy side. Uh, And that will be because our, us as a company, we kind of sit in between and uh, we sit on the shelves of mass market retail, like Target and Barnes and Noble and things like that. And that is not a heavy strategy crowd. You know, but the industry as a whole is a heavy strategy crowd. So if if you look at our games, they they would say their games are pretty simple. If you, if you read any of their reviews, they'd be like pretty simple game. And and then you look at, you know, uh, you look at target reviews or Amazon reviews, like I opened the box and couldn't understand anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm somewhere in the middle, Kyle, when you said that pretty simple, I'm like, uh, well, the first 45 minutes I was trying to figure it out. I'm glad I did. I'm glad yeah. I did. But- you, and, and you say you did the tough road of all by yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It's interesting. Like, um, I think people want to do hard things. Like I'm in an industry 
and it's hard to call it industry, but it is. And I've made this move to higher education and higher theological education. Almost every person who is in our seminary does not have to be here. Hmm. Uh, and particularly now, denominational requirements or such. But, but it's why I say that now some seminaries do, like they require an MDiv or whatever, but most of the denominations that we're currently serving, it's an option and it might help you get into a stronger church to go to seminary. And it might, you know, they might reckon, but, but most people could probably serve in ministry full-time without uh, a master's degree from us. So yeah. they, they are having to choose to be there. And, um, and now uh, I know you've been a part of Methodist churches with the global Methodist church emerging. That's one of the questions that's out there is like, what, what's it going to be like, what the requirements going to be? Well, it's interesting me in this place. I actually, I wasn't sure what to think about the industry as a whole as I was coming into yeah. it. And when I started teaching my preaching class, I've taught, you know, for two straight semesters taught preaching, I'm just floored. People want to be there. Like they, they're investing financially, their time, and the, nobody's twisting their arm to be there. Now, maybe a few, but, uh, but, but generally that's the case. It's a beautiful place. And if people want, I'm just trying to, people want the challenge altogether. Yeah. I think it's good that you're embracing that. They do. And, and we're trying to, like we said, provide an experience where the person who wants to have people around the table with them, right. And they choose to pick our game up off the shelf as their vehicle for that. Yes. And they're investing their time into learning it because, and we we actually want to help them recognize that like, Hey, uh, if you just learn this beforehand, before you sit at the table, right. You become the ambassador for game night. You become yes. the facilitator for a good time around the table, right? Wow. And then you're going to get that like family, friend enjoyment. So it may be difficult for you to learn this game, you know, to where when they look at you and have a rules question, you already know the answer, right? But like, yeah, we're here to help you with that. We want to make a product that helps you with that and want to be there on the back end when you email us, you talk to us, you know, like we want to help you be the game night person that gets everybody around the table, yeah, there's that connection. So that's, that's great. That's part of it. So tell us about your, the, you have one game that's really taken off. It's in multiple big box stores. Tell us about that or some of the, your top sellers. Yeah. Uh, Trails is in that lineup. So it yeah. all comes from the parks series. So parks is the name of the game. It's a, it's a partnership with a poster series by 59 parks print series. So all the artwork existed as full size posters still does. You can buy them as full size posters. And we put that into a game that celebrates the national parks. And so, okay. and from that and the popularity of that, we have made smaller versions, trails, which we've talked about here a lot, is the smaller $20 version of that game. Um, and both those are available in Target. So okay. those have sold really well in Target. The crowd there and the love of the national parks as it grows over this time, uh, that has just really taken off. So uh, we're really excited about that. And it is slowly, it, it is also available at Barnes and Noble and Amazon, and you can buy it from us and all, you know, like yeah, we yeah. try to put it everywhere, but uh, it is doing really well. And it has facilitated many game nights and many shared times around the table. Yeah. Um, and I, Boy, I it just hits the market just right because you have um, part of what, what, what else do people do to have shared family experiences? Go to the national parks. I mean, exactly. that's what my family's doing. We were just at Rocky Mountain National Park. We're going to go to Yellowstone this summer. Um, yep. And, you know, in the me middle of that, we're playing trails, right. which is pretty cool. 
And, and we have heard so many great stories about people sitting around and uh, when they're playing parks or trails, they're like, they're looking at the Rocky Mountain National Parks card and they're like, I want to go there someday. And, you know, the people around the town, around the table, they're like, so do I, you know, and it kind of facilitates like the, why don't we, you know, and if they already have, then they're like, well, remember when we saw, you know, we stopped at that little place or whatever the story was, we've heard that it just facilitates great times around the, around the table. And it's been, uh, also, I got to share this with you too. This happened this week. This is a unique story. Uh, the first, the first time ever, actually I have it right here. I'll put it on camera, but I'll, I'll, first time ever, Keymaster received a wedding invitation. This was oh, this interesting. It was addressed to Keymaster Games. Uh, they wrote us a nice note on the back, right? And I'm just blocking out their addresses like that. Uh, they invited us to the wedding. They wrote that they met at a board game cafe with friends and they played parks and campy creatures. And then they continued to meet at the board game cafe and play our games and now they're getting married and they were sending us an invite because they said that they just wanted to thank us for the facilitation of their relationship wow. and the time around the table. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, if that's not, if that's not why we're making games, you know, I don't know what it is. Right. So that was, wow. that was great confirmation of, of the reason we're putting these things together and working hard on them to create these experiences on the table for people. Oh my goodness. What a great story. You've got to do something with that. Are you going to go? <laughs> uh, well, it's actually, yeah, it's near one of our partners. So I think we might, if we're invited, we'll actually maybe send it. We'll definitely send them like a game night bundle or something, right. For yeah. <laughs> to start the relationship off. Right. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a great thing. Well, Kyle, this has been so much fun. Now we, we're also going to offer Kyle's very generously giving a gift to one of our listeners. So if you're interested in his, in, in getting one of his games, what, what game? Uh, we can give away a copy of parks. Yeah. Parks. There it is. So somebody, <laughs> what you have to do is you take a link and you share a link on social media to this podcast. One of the ones that probably has Kyle's picture on it and I'll see it that way. And then I'll put your name into a hat and I'll draw one out and you could be the winner. And so then Kyle will send it to you. I'll just, you just, you'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you if you share that way. So thanks Kyle for doing that. Yes, of course. We love to, you know, give people games and get them on the table. So thanks for allowing us to do that. Maybe somebody will get married because of it. Who knows? Many more proposals coming. You joke, but it's happened, right? That's it, it has <laughs> happened. Yeah. Who know, who knows how God's going to use this? Okay. So my, I always ask a question at the end of the podcast. It's called more to story. And part of the reason I do that is because um, too often in, in the life of the church, we just emphasize getting saved. We don't talk about the role of sanctification, being made holy. So there's, I always say there's more to the story. There's more than just being saved, but also there is a more to the story of than picking up a game. There's like, we want to go deeper and learn things about what, what's going on, but there's likely more to the story of Kyle. You got a pretty interesting life, Kyle, but it was something that you often don't get to tell people about yourself. Oh, this is like one of those questions is like, what else do you do? And like, I think, um, Oh, there it is. <laughs> I have found that my uh, board games have brought this out too. my, my pursuit and research of things has, is really a fascinating thing. When you make a board game, you get to research a lot of stuff to make it, try to yeah. make it accurate as well when you're doing a theme of something like that. So there's been many avenues. I feel like I've fallen down uh, and just not fallen, but like just pursued. Uh, and so I, I now I would welcomely call myself a stamp collector now 
which is a whole, fascin- whole fascinating thing. And I just, it would take a long time to talk about it, but stamp collecting, I feel like it's a growing thing, right? The pandemic did nothing but help it. Um, <laughs> but it's so fast, lots of history there, lots of great stories, lots of, lots of things there. Uh, so there's that. And that keeps me inside, you know, uh, at a table collect, you know, sorting through things and researching things and art behind it as well, all the art that's commissioned. And then, um, and I'll give you a bonus one that oh, I, good, also, good, good. I also uh, enjoy bonsai as well. So the, the art of the keeping, plant. Yeah. Keeping trees in pots oh, is really what it is. Right? The, the idea of miniaturizing a tree into a pot. Right. Yeah. And I, it's a, it's a farming thing. I have, you know, farming roots, but also it's like, it's like gardening. It's a form of gardening. You know, you're out, you gotta, you gotta take care of them. They're in, they're in pots. They would die if you don't really take care of them. So you got to pay attention to them. And then there's just so many philosophical, spiritual things about pruning them and training them. And, and I have, I have written some things on my desk too, of like, I need to like write a talk about how pruning a bonsai is a lot like designing a board game. You got to like let it grow and you got to cut away and all, oh, you know, there's sure. just so many things yeah. about it. So is that one behind you right there? Uh, no, they, these are uh, they're just regular house plants. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some of these just regular plants, all mine, they stay outside all the time. It's what, it's a myth. Actually, people struggle with that. There is no really indoor bonsai. They sell them oh. at big box stores. And they're inside and people think they can grow trees inside, but trees don't do well inside. Yeah. <laughs> they have, I mean, there it they is. have to be outside. So yeah. Interesting. It's, it's just, yeah, just those, that pursuit of like research and yeah. weird things and fun things has been really great. So stamps and bonsai trees. Pretty good. Last week I had one, uh, you might, I don't know if we are over, uh, overlap with you at Asbury, uh, Jonathan Powers, he had uh, UFOs. So you yeah. never know, you never know what's going to come when people, when you ask this question. That's great. That's a great question. I love it. <laughs> Kyle, thanks so much for your time. It's been fun to watch this journey progress. And, and, you know, we're excited to see how God continues to use your skills, you know, from going from being an art major and trying to figure out how this is all going to work together to um, providing great experiences for people and getting people married. There you go. Right. Thanks. It's been great. And I can't, you know, can't wait to see where else that we're led along the way and, you know, where the areas of growth as well. And it's an exciting time. So thank you for having me. 